Grace and peace, you're listening to United We Pray. Taking racial struggles to the throne of grace, United We Pray is a ministry devoted to prayer about racial strife, especially between Christians. We want to help Christians pray and think about race in ways that are biblical and helpful, clear and hopeful. You can learn more about our work at uwepray.com. That's U-W-E-P-R-A-Y.com, where you can find articles, old episodes, and more. I'm Austin Suter, joined by Isaac Adams. How are you, sir? Doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing well. It's a good day in Birmingham. It is. It's been rainy and cloudy lately. Which means it hasn't been, like, blazing hot. That's true. I'll take it. That's true. So we like to have different kinds of episodes on this podcast. We've just aired three in a row that were roundtable discussions with pastors about church dynamics. Uh, those were a lot of fun. We're really thankful to be able to have those kinds of nuts and bolts conversations. Today's topic is a little bit more theoretical, but we trust no less practical. So Isaac and I will be talking today about race and specifically trying to answer the question, what is race? And it turns out that's a complicated question with a few different ways to answer it. So above all, we want to know what the Bible has to say. We also want to look at the categories of biology, ethnicity, sociology, and then history, because how folks have defined race in the past affects our realities today. Because the ideas of whiteness, blackness, etc., informed how people behaved and treated each other in the past, those effects last for generations. So, just for example, the lives of Native Americans today are affected tremendously by the ways race has been understood for hundreds of years. So, Isaac, I'll kick it to you. How would you answer the question, what is race? That is a great question <laughs> that I plan to answer. <laughs> but what I want to... Just a, what I want to add is because I think you're right in saying this is more theoretical, but I, don't you feel like this is the question people, a lot of people ask? I feel like it's very practical. Like people are like, what what are we actually talking about here? Yeah. And maybe a lot of people don't ask it; they assume it, and then we just run in with our same words but different dictionaries. Hence the problems we see in a lot of the conversation. Yeah, I mean, a version of this that I often get, and I'm sure we'll get to later in our conversation today, is folks who you know oppose or think ministries like ours are irrelevant because there is no such thing as race in the ultimate sense and therefore talking about it is only going to be divisive and reify the problem it's reinforcing a social they would argue it's a social construct merely that doesn't exist therefore we need we only make it exist in our minds right right and i think we need to address that yeah so anyway i just wanted to talk about why i think you know it's a i think sometimes we assume answers to the basic questions and because we've not done the work on the basic questions we we wind up in a whole lot of trouble I think or at least true. frustration so let me um let me answer the question but it's it's not an e- the the reason people don't answer it right off the bat it's not an easy answer to question an easy question to answer it's not and so I'm going to cite talking about race because I actually believe in what I wrote in the book. Your Um, book, talking about race, available now. Yeah. I have a glossary in the back for, what did you say? Just gave the (laughs) lousy radio promo. (laughs) I uh, have a glossary in the back for this exact reason, right? Because this can be tricky. Um, And the only other thing I'll say before I answer this question is this is kind of a part of our, this isn't kind of, this is a part of our aims. I think those aims, if you go to our website, uwepray.com, just click the aims page, what we aim to be, we aim to be clear about things. So like, here's where, here's how we're defining and thinking through it. But I define race as a word that can refer to the human race or specific ethnic group 
but which can falsely be used to mean a category of people with an inherently different value than other people. So there I'm grabbing uh, Jarvis Williams and Curtis Wood's definition in their kid's book. Gospel in Color? The Gospel in Color. And, you know, I have to find that good, kid, good kids' books are really educational for adults. <laughs> yeah. So there was one guy, I don't remember his name, but he won Jeopardy. And people were like, how did you learn all this knowledge? He was like, I read kids' history books. And... I think it's really useful because, uh, you know, we talk about how complicated it is to answer, but there, like someone could stop listening to the podcast, you have an answer. Now, in that, you have a biological answer, the human race, or specific ethnic groups, more of a kind of sociological answer, but historically, which can falsely be used to mean a category of people with inherently different value than other people. Ah, Now, what's hard is those definitions kind of bleed into each other and have over time in different cultures, so it makes it tough. Uh, But I keep going, when scripture, right, aim, we want to be biblical. So when scripture speaks of race, it means group, class, or kind. Now, that doesn't necessarily—well, I'll just read this. When scripture speaks of race, it means group, class, or kind. Biblically, there is one human race, there are many ethnicities, and there are two spiritual races, those in Adam and those in Christ. And some of our listeners have gone, whoa, what are these guys talking about? But I think others have been like, oh, hopefully they're like, oh, okay, I can get on with that, you know? Um, What you just said was really important, and I I don't want to move on from it too quickly, because if we take any one of those examples, so you just use three different examples of ways scripture uses the word race. If you try and flatten that into one definition and apply it across these scriptural uses, it's not going to make sense every time. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, those definitions are so basic, group, class, or kind. I think it's always talking about a yes. group, class, or kind, but yes. I know what, what I you, meant yeah. was if you tried to take it as, you know, you're either in Jesus or in Adam as the spiritual condition. If you're trying to use apply that use of race to every time the Bible uses yes. race, yes. it's not going to make sense. Yeah, correct. And that, I mean, just so people know that we're like not being hermeneutically wonky, the Bible does that with lots of words. So how James talks about faith is different than how Paul talks about faith. How James talks about doubt is different uh, than um, how Jude talks about doubt, have mercy on those who doubt. It's really important to know that because you're going to misread James if you assume he's talking about the same exact thing Jude is talking about. Right. And that's what happens in the conversation about race. We misread each other all the time because we might be using this one word or even this one category in a way that we don't mean or someone else doesn't mean and so forth. Yeah, that's good. I'm sorry. I interrupted you as you were going through your glossary. Where, where are we going next? So I was just saying, I mean, that's, that's the like kind of borderline or that's the basic definition of, um, of race. But, um, in that is a lot, and I think it's useful to kind of unpack, certainly biblically, uh, but even with other biblical scholars and things. So I'm holding in my hand a book called uh, A Former Jew, Paul and the Dialectics of Race. It's by Love L. Sechrest, uh, who holds the position that Paul understood himself to stop that when he became a Christian, he was no longer a Jew. This is a minority position. I don't mean a position held by minorities, but not a popular position in that sense. Um, But I think Love just does a lot of biblical study work in this book. Now, already, Austin, what's interesting about this conversation is you and I have not talked a lot about skin color. And people can map our modern day idea of race 
uh, varying around skin color and inerrant value and all of those things onto uh, an ancient conversation or onto the biblical conversation that isn't necessarily tying race, making a correlation between race and skin color. In other words, it wasn't a factor like it was today, or at least not as much, we could say. Yeah, depending on when you're at in history. Yeah. It's going to mean different things. So I'm just going to read the first sentence of chapter one because first sentences can be helpful. Uh, Ethnicity and race are among the primary organizing principles of human history. So right there, you've got another basic thing, but it's a way of organizing in people's minds groups, right? Now, that's the first sentence. I'm going to read the rest of the paragraph, okay? They taught you in seminary not to read long quotes. I skipped that day of class. So here we go. These principles structure societies, both large and small, from nations and political parties to classrooms and congregations. Ah, interesting. The legacy of historic ethnic attachments runs through much modern domestic and international conflict. Hence, the study of race and ethnicity as socio-historical phenomena can only produce a richer understanding of the contemporary scene. In other words, if we think about history, we'll better understand the present, like you said. While present-day theorists would tend to agree with the idea that these constructions of ethnicity and race vary over time, as we've been saying, most begin their study of them at the dawn of modernity, despite the fact that the identity discourse appears in ancient civilizations. All of this indicates that through thoughtful attention to identity formation in the ancient world and the study of historical roots of current social dynamics will produce a better understanding of race relations in our times. However, increased attention to the question of identity formation in the ancient and modern world only serves to reveal the extraordinary complexities of the subject. Ah, I love that. It's complicated. Well, it is complicated. Because he talked about race and ethnicity. She. She, forgive me. Talked about race and ethnicity being great organizing principles throughout Mm -hmm. human history, which is clearly true. I mean, we see this in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, Mm -hmm. and how there were divisions in the church according to Jew and Gentile. Mm -hmm. Um, Folks with different ethnic backgrounds who were saved, who are now in the same, you know, church, Mm -hmm. same body of Christ. Mm -hmm who are still dividing along these worldly lines. Mm-hmm. And let me just pop in right there. Don't Are you going to lose your thought? I'll just pop in right there and say, I think a number of our, maybe two of our listeners are going to be like, oh, you're mapping race. You're mapping Jew and Gentile onto black and white one for one. Well, that's and where I was going to go next. Great. Okay, you go there. Because we're not doing that. We're but, not doing that. Right. But, but it's, it's at least, it's not one for one to black and white, but it's at least ethnic distinctions. I'll be, but go ahead. Well, I think it just it just proves the author's point in saying how complex it is because as you just mentioned we're not saying there's a one-to-one correlation between ethnicity and race or that the way uh folks in the first century thought about jew and gentile distinctions map perfectly to the way modern thinkers think about black and white distinctions they're not perfectly correlating but there's definitely similarities and things to learn from well and that's the i mean that's the thing i want to get at because i think we can often focus on the discontinuities between the two. And what we're talking at about at the end of the day is if, if there's one new man, that's got to apply to whatever racial strife we see today. Amen. I actually think it's an argument from the lesser to the greater. Like if it meant that for Jew and Gentile, how much more does it mean it for black and white or for whatever you, you pick your ethnic strife? of the day. Um, and so, yeah, I think that 
is really important because that's what we're getting. And that's where I think there's, there's just, you know, if you've been listening to this and you're like, what the heck are they talking about? Let's just make this very plain. In Acts 6, so New Covenant, right, we see some kind of cultural divide, right? Greek-speaking Jews versus the Hebraic Jews, right? The Hellenists and the Hebraic. And so there's clearly some understanding that in the church, people without any ill will or at least that we can tell, but have been systematically overlooked. This group has been overlooked. So let's not just talk about the passage. Let's read the passage. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, that is Greek-speaking Jews, arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution food, presumably. And so what you see is like there's a basic understanding of a them and an us, right? And in our society today, that often maps with skin color because of historical abuses of race in the past. You're you, you're them and we're us, right? And that's what we're getting at is Christ has made one new us, a chosen race, right? First Peter two, verse nine. Uh, and that ultimately is the most important category of race, not skin color, but we could call it soul color, right? (laughs) Does, does Christ's blood, is that over the doorpost of your soul or not? Right. But that doesn't mean the other ones are insignificant. These other categories of ethnic strife, but it just means the Bible. And what I see, and I think what we're getting at Austin is really the comprehensiveness of how the Bible talks about the human cat condition and how humans we categorize ourselves and fight with ourselves and create strife among ourselves the bible addresses all that and think of ourselves for that matter because somehow paul could say to the hebrews i became a hebrew you know so i'm not trying to dog love's argument earlier i think she's genuinely looking at a biblical text and saying and where does paul say that philippians 3 or second corinthians 9 probably if he's saying to them i became them yeah, First Corinthians nine. First Corinthians nine. Okay, First Corinthians nine. That's where he says that. So, like, how do you become something? Well, that implies you're not that thing, right? And yet, in other texts, Paul Romans ten is talking about my kinsmen according to the flesh, right? So he understands that there is some kind of biological reality here going on of like I'm, I, I lament for my kinsmen according to the flesh for my fellow Jews. Well, let's talk about. Um, let's talk about biological reality for a second because what so often error and specifically error that that catches on will have a kernel of truth that it abuses and turns into a really bad idea so you can look at a group of people and determine some kind of difference in background or nationality or ethnicity how you want to talk about it on looks and people historically, and I suppose today, have taken that to mean a lot more than it actually means. So where you can talk about people in different parts of the world who look differently than each other being part of one human race, they saw those ethnic differences as meaning different races in a, in a way that has led to a lot of pain and hurt and confusion. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, this is kind of Curse of Ham stuff, right? That, sure. So... We've been talking about biblical texts in a positive sense, but that doesn't mean when people abuse scripture 
Genesis 9 being one of the key texts that's been abused, trying to trace out, okay, Shem, Ham, and Japheth were, you know, the three fathers of these derivative races, and Ham landed with these darker folks in Africa, and it was, look, God said they would be cursed, and yeah, that's not true. And perhaps we insert my teaching here from that Genesis 9 sermon, but I don't know. Yeah, we can definitely link to it in the show. But yes, and I, or, I mean, we, I mean, <clears throat> and that's why, again, this isn't, I know it's theoretical, but it really matters if your pastor is going to get up and read Ezra about what seems to be interracial marriage and say, I mean, goodness, I have friends who, who weren't allowed to marry certain women because that belief was espoused that the yeah. the Bible is anti interracial marriage, and that's not what's going on in 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 Israel at that time or in the book of num whatever book it may be, you know, Numbers, Judges. Uh, God's not opposing interracial marriage; He's opposing inter marriages between his people and people who are not his people. Yes. Which is, oddly, one of the ways the Bible uses race. I know. I was thinking that while you were saying it. I was like, well, uh, he does, but not how, not how you it, think. Not how we mean it today. But that's the importance of sitting down and talking about these passages, these texts. Sure. So what do you think most people walking around in the United States today think of when they think of race? Skin color. Why? Because that's how it's historically been framed in our country. Um, so I don't think they're just biblically illiterate you know, if you just read, I mean, that's what we've inherited. And so it's not necessarily false to say that, but you have to be careful with that. He's like, well, what do you mean? But do you mean a different, yeah, we can talk about melanin and skin, but do you mean a different stock of human? Like, surely you don't. And most people I think would say, no, I don't mean that. I just mean, right. but most people mean, I think ethnicity when they're, when they're talking about it or thinking about it, but they kind of use them just interchangeably, but they're thinking skin color, which is, it gets to this whole conversation, right? Like both you and I have mixed children. At what point do they stop, you know, do their kids, kids, if they were all to marry white people, you know, like, do they stop being black, quote unquote? And these are the conversations. And even you and me are looking at each other like, goodness, that's right. tough, right? Like at what point? And that's, it shows the arbitrariness yeah. of the construct it's like okay i mean like we can quote and that's where we can quote even just laws that were on the books you know so i think of a law i think um isabel wilkerson tracks a lot of this and the warmth of other sons but it was like you know they had if they were one sixteenth of any given ethnicity you know to do the generational math they were that and could be guilty but right. if they weren't that then they were innocent it's just like okay this seems pretty arbitrary well, yes, obviously arbitrary. And we mentioned earlier about folks who want to insist that there is no such thing at ra as race yeah. being onto something. Yeah. In that these these categories that are totally, you know, arbitrary and were just used historically for other means, you know, they're they're not real in right. the sense that folks meant them. Right. Um However, what is not... And how they meant them is they have inherently different value. Yes. It's a fixed trait about them. Yeah. So where this gets really complicated, I think... Uh, tell me if you agree with this sentence. Like, yeah. race No, as, I don't agree with it. Okay. 
I'm sure I have deserved that for something. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Um, You're trying to be edifying, useful, and helpful, and I am not. So go ahead. Well, uh, we'll give you a chance to redeem yourself here. Thank so, you. race as historically understood is biologically untrue and sociologically true. Yes. Uh, by, yes. As historically understood, meaning that there's... Um, mo- that your skin color makes you a different kind of person Correct. than other people, Correct. and there is Correct. a hierarchy of Correct. people. Correct. Say it again. That that kind of understanding of race is biologically false yep. and sociologically true. Correct. In that, not true in the sense that it it is the correct interpretation of humanity, yeah. but it was a real system of belief that you need to wrestle with in order to understand the world as it is. Correct. And that's why to the folks who would say it doesn't exist, it doesn't exist. Well, it's like, yeah, but the problem is I'm with you. It doesn't exist. But the problem is for generations, for centuries, people understood it to exist that way. And, and so set up the world and that way. set up the systems that way, set up the laws that way, set up the education that way, set up the congregations that way. You can't take the Lord's Supper here because you look like that. Despite the Lord's Supper being there to represent our unity in Christ. But um, we're sitting in Birmingham, Alabama. I mean, right, how so long that, ago are we talking about where you wouldn't have been able to take the Lord's Supper in a lot of churches around here? Oh, brother, I preached in a church recently that until the 70s wasn't allowing black members. It dawned on me. I was driving home. I was like, my goodness. How many, I, I mean, jokes aside, how many guys with dreadlocks have preached in this church? I bet I'm counting on one hand, maybe one finger. Yeah. Right? And so, th- and this is what I'm getting at. People would be like, this is theoretical and impractical. I'm like, then either I'm not clear or we're like looking at two different worlds because it's very, because how they understood it, they set it up all this way. And we have, we live with the effects of that. So that, all the black kids are sitting over there with crappy schools and people look at them like, well, they must be lazy. They must be not as intelligent, right? They must be of different stock. No one's going to say that, but sometimes those assumptions are made. And so really that perverse understanding reifies itself, you see? And so I I wish I could just be like, oh, you're right. It doesn't exist. So we'll stop talking about it. But I'm trying as a sincere Christian trying to live in a world that did act as if it existed. And so what does that mean? Well, to go back to the Bible for a second, what's interesting, even if you just look at Paul. Yeah, sorry. Even going back to the Bible, I looked up the, because I didn't like how vague I was, but when I was talking about numbers and judges with interracial marriage, it's Judges 3.6. The daughters of the nations, the people took to themselves for wives and their own daughters, they gave their sons. And the Lord was like, you shouldn't have done that because they're going to take you away from me but that has nothing to do with their skin color. Sorry, right. Go ahead. You were talking about Paul. I was talking about Paul. And looking at the way Paul talks about ethnicity. So Paul is the author who writes, there is one new man in Christ, one new humanity. Correct. Uh, Paul is also the one to say that uh, while on a journey, he had fellow Jews with him Correct. as he was among the Gentiles and notes they were of particular comfort to him to have his ethnic brethren with him. Correct. Hold so on. The, let me just read it. Let me just read it. Colossians 4. Colossians 4, 11. And, G, and Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision. So Paul somehow recognized this. 
among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. So I just want to read the verses. So be, yeah, but I, I appreciate that. Um, so how can the same author insist on both of those things being true? And that's where I think understanding this complexity is not just a matter of checking all of the intellectual boxes to make sure that we are, you know, yeah. buttoned up. It you you need to do that to love people well. Yeah, and to read your Bible well. Yes. yes. Which leads to yeah, but yes. Yes. Yeah, you because otherwise you're going to go around and say, "Well, Paul just said there was no I mean, it's a, it really is a like we camp on 328, right? Um and maybe I'm thinking Galatians, but we'll, we'll just stick in Colossians. 311 in Colossians. So, let's see. What is it in Galatians? I'm just curious. Yeah, it's 328. And there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no, no male and female for you all one in Christ Jesus. One, ain't. let's just make it really easy for folks. No one's going around saying there's no such thing as male and female. And I'm not, well, <laughs> no one who intends to uphold the scriptures. And so I'm not trying to make a one-to-one a -one between gender and race. They're different. And yet Paul understood even social distinctions, slave and free, right? Uh, or whatever, professional distinctions. And so... He said, hey, what he's getting at there with those texts is saying, hey, insofar as regards your standing in Christ and your admission into this kingdom, none of that matters. He's not saying that is no longer true about you. And he didn't conduct his ministry that way. And he didn't conduct, and praise God, he didn't. He was like, yo, my friends from, <laughs> my Jews are, my Jews, like, I don't, I don't know if he said it like that, but he was like, these Jews, these people who God has given, you know, just natural similarities and how he's made me and how he's made them my kinsmen, according to the flesh. These have been a comfort to me. And don't we all know it, Austin? You know, I think of one friend who was living in England, again, just to take it out of race, even though race is tough because it sticks so much with culture. You know, that's why we call it the Velcro issue. So many different things stick to it. But he was in England and he was like, man, it was just refreshing when the Americans would get together and eat pizza and talk about what it's like to be an American in England. Right. They were yeah. of comfort to him because yeah. they had some shared kind of natural bond. I'm trying to think of ways to, to tie all of these different ends together because we've covered probably more ground than we've ever covered in an episode up to this point in trying to talk through millennia of human history. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, it's just, again, if I can, I don't know, but let me just throw out some Bible paths and like, great. I'm not going to read them all. But again, this is a lot. Of, we were talking about. Romans 9, and it might just be a fruitful biblical study for someone to go and trace out the implications of these texts or what this text means. Genesis 1, 26 through 28, all of us are made in God's image. What does that mean, right? And that means something for the biological conversation, right? Because people are acting as if different races used in a negative way did not all share that image. Well, we talked about that with Thomas Kidd, yeah. who we had on the podcast not long ago because he chronicles Thomas Jefferson's history, and Thomas Jefferson actually espoused a multi-genesis theory of creation as a way to justify black people being worth less than white people. Yeah. They were not made in the image of God in the same way. Yeah, that, yes. And, and I mean, there's whole, and this is, you know, it's, it can sound nerdy, but there's whole conversation about pre-Adamites and different, different races in that regard. And what you're messing with is you're messing with the first chapter. I mean, it's just such a picture of human depravity. It's the first chapter. Can we just have the first chapter without any error or without any, without y'all heresy. Yeah. Without any heresy forcing, without any eisegesis, please just without any of your bias. Can you just take the first chapter? Right. But 
we humans struggle to do any of that. Uh, Acts 17, 26 um, is another passage I'd encourage folks to look at. Let's see. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on on all the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. And verse 27, sorry, that was 26. Verse 27 is really interesting, that they should seek God. God would hope that we would all be a part of the chosen race. Anyway, uh, Acts 6, 1 through 7, we read. Acts 7, 19, Matthew 28, 19, go and tell all the people groups of the world. Genesis 3, 15, two races right there. The seed of the woman, the seed of Christ. Ephesians 2, 14 through 15, one new man. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. And it might just be useful to get back to what you were saying to see, does the Bible mean race in all the same categories and all those different places? And how does that stack up against how we use it today? And what should that mean as we navigate this conversation? I hope it produces and inspires some humility and some depth perception and helps us to see, yeah, when we abuse those definitions or act as if only one is valid, that might lead us to a narrow position that um, leads us to not view our neighbor in their fullness or appreciate them. Yes, or love them in their current situation. Right. Which has been impacted by Right, which ironically would make us a lot like the people who viewed race wrongly in the past. Yeah. And that is where no one, no one, none of us want to be. We don't. And I, I, I don't want to be attacking a straw man, and I don't want to just beat up on folks who have this perspective. I just want to encourage folks, just acknowledge it might be more complicated than we would like. History oh, yeah. is extremely complicated. Oh, yeah. It's so, I mean, that's why, you know, I don't think we're doing a bunch of deflecting on this podcast. I think you and I are seeing the nuances and trying as our best to wade through them. And there's tons, we're talking about tons of ideas barreling through tons of centuries down to a black guy and a white guy who are both in interracial marriages in 21st century Birmingham, Alabama. It's just going to be a, a complex story. But I think even appreciating that complexity, uh, so I remember, so I was doing, a, when I first read Love's book, was doing a study of race and reading all these different books like that. And my takeaway from reading it all was, yeah, it's really complicated. Yeah. But I actually, and at first I felt I was kind of embarrassed by that. But more and more, I'm like, yeah, I think that was, that takeaway has really helped shape my understanding. And I don't think it's unclear to people to say it's complicated. I actually think that is the clear answer. Well, it's, it's certainly a helpful contribution. So is, is that how you would answer it? If I said, what is race? Would you just say, well, it's complicated? I wouldn't say it with that tone. Uh, but all of us know, I mean, you know what it's like. You have kids, bro. I mean, when your kid asks you, hey, what is that thing? And you kind of smile to yourself. You're like, uh, it, it's complicated. But let's go with group class or kind and... Some people, too many people have attached that to skin value to mean inherently one thing. and But yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, goodness, I, I tried to put it, I borrowed a lot of those words, but I tried to put it, you know, a hundred words in the glossary. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the way you've sort of accounted for different uses. Let's, let's just close with this, if you don't mind, and just being really clear on what we are saying 
race does not mean. Sure. Because we covered so much ground, I don't want to leave anyone with the impression that someone we may have quoted or a wrong view that we were analyzing is something that we actually believe. Like, let's just tidy up here. Sure. Which I'm glad for the direction, though, the balance of this podcast, because I feel like it's really easy to say what you're not saying and not say anything positive. Yes. But yes, go ahead. So we are not saying, for example, that race and ethnicity are interchangeable words. Uh, That they are, yeah, that they should be. They have different histories, yes. Yes. Yeah. We are not saying clearly that there is a hierarchy of human value according to race or ethnicity or anything like that. But acknowledging that historical reality that folks did think that way is important for understanding and loving people now. Yeah, the only thing I would change in that sentence is did and do think that way. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. That's so important because we we keep talking. I've done it a few times on this podcast already about racism as a thing in the past, and it's just not. Yeah, and I mean, I didn't, brother, just to give you some credit, I don't even hear you saying that, but the the faulty ideological, the ideologies that undermine racist beliefs, perspectives, action, that's what we've been talking about in this episode, and those aren't just mere relics of the past no. by any stretch of the I mean, imagination. We wish they were. Uh, yeah. We, we say all the time we wish our ministry didn't need to exist, but... More and more, I mean, I'm finding that it di- it does. And yeah, and get, I mean, get, again, glossary. So I define ethnicity too, a word that refers to the way people identify with each other based on commonalities such as language, history, ancestry, nationalities, customs, and values. In the Bible, the Greek word ethnos in the New Testament can refer to people groups who basically, who would most basically recognize us as being different from them but can also refer to a nation. In Matthew 28, 19, one of the texts I cited, Jesus refers to all nations. Uh, so anyway, uh, definitions are useful. Definitions goodness. are useful. And, you know, ours aren't perfect, but hopefully, you know, they're better than some of the ones in the past. And it's really interesting, Austin. We can have this, you know, it sounds like an ivory tower conversation. And yet, you know, so-and-so's racist grandpa, he has some definition of race that he's operating by. So when it comes to the Thanksgiving table, and our race's grandkid. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. Thank you. Yes. The, the very, the same correction I just gave you. Yeah. So-and-so's racist. He, they've got some definition and, and so do people who are on the other side of the spectrum. I know we're not shooting for centrism, but there are, there are other bad ideas about race that ironically employ some of the same kind of fixed trait mentality and we don't want to be there either and if none of this has made sense to you we think you should repent of your sins and trust in christ and be a part of god's spiritual chosen race i was just sitting here thinking about how we have a whole bunch of new subscribers in the month of august we we had welcome to the show everybody If none of this makes any sense. Enjoy the our, deep end. Go to the episodes with the black pastors. They're, they're a lot more fun. We're laughing, talking about lots of practical things. But Austin, we wouldn't do this if we didn't think it was useful. But I think we've tried to make a case for why this matters. Yeah. Yeah. We hope, listeners, that you understand why we're doing this, why we would take 35 minutes here on definitions and, you know, 
go through all the history and the sociology and all of that, and obviously looking most importantly what the Bible says, this stuff matters and it affects our world today. It affects the lives of real people alive today. And to the extent that we fail to grapple with these hard things, we often fail to love our neighbors. So, so are we going to have a conversation about, we talked about what is race. Are we going to have a conversation about what is racism? I feel like that's next week. See you then, new listener. Well, why don't we pray? I'll start. Father, we pray that all of what we said would be useful, helpful, edifying. And Father, that it would work against some of the very wrong-headed ideas that we either force into your word or ignore your word to cling to. Father, we pray we would do all under the light and scrutiny of your word. And that we would appreciate the complexity of which you speak, of which you design people and groups and cultures and societies. Lord, we know that so much of the racism of the past was undergirded by wrongly reducing people to one thing. Sinful, simplistic mindsets, Lord. That said, this color equals this trait. Heaven forbid. So help us, Father. Help us to have our Bibles be the dictionary that leads us to love our neighbor, as Austin's been talking about. Help us to appreciate, to not be daunted by complexity, but to be humbled by it, to appreciate it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, we lament um, that things you engineered into creation for diversity um, and ultimately for your glory were weaponized and are weaponized uh, to make us hate each other and divide and fractured. Um, Lord, we pray that that would not be the case. And that we pray that um, we, that our listeners, um, that believers all over the world would be doing this hard work of looking at history and looking at definitions and our, our biases and mindsets, taking those all to your word, um, submitting to it and trying to understand ways that we can understand the world around us, love people, and point them to you. Uh, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find more about our work at the website, youwepray.com. Grace and peace. Pray.